Hi again, it's me. So, last time I told a little story for this um, Black History Month celebration. I actually have another story. It's from my childhood. So, growing up, um, we lived on a street with um, all the houses were kind of the same. Uh, one story, um, maybe two bedrooms and one bathroom, no basement, um, depend, it depended on, uh, where you were, but usually you had a pretty good backyard and a pretty good front yard, um, no sidewalks, um, parking on the street, I guess, I guess that kind of tells you enough details, but anyway, um, yeah, our street was basically, um, kind of lower to mid-class people living there, um, not a lot of money, and, uh, you just kind of lived, lived how you wanted to live, <laughs> um, my, life, life goals and, milestones and even just having a career or a dream wasn't really the aspiration. Um, there, I don't think there were any aspirations. This, this was a, this was a, a neighborhood of broken dreams. Um, we didn't have any dreams. So <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about that because I'm trying to set up this story. Now, my best friend, I wasn't allowed to go over to his house, right? Um, there was some kind of, some kind of hidden issue that I didn't know about. Um, maybe they just had a lot of stuff, uh, around the house and there wasn't enough room. I don't know. I, I never was told why. I was just told I wasn't allowed over there. But, uh, my parents allowed my best friend to come over a lot. So, uh, usually we would play outside in the backyard or in the garage. And, uh, this one time we were in the garage playing and the garage door was open and I looked over and, um, his house was across the street and I saw, I happened to see his dad, uh, working in the front in the front yard. I think he might have been mowing the grass or something or watering the grass, who knows. Um, and I, I turned to my best friend and I just kind of get this, this great feeling in my chest and I say, you know what? I really love black people. <laughs> and, um, yeah, my, my best friend says, you can't say that. <laughs> and um, I was like, I think, nine or ten. I I don't know. I can't really remember. And I, I said this, and I, I don't think I knew what I was saying, but um, it definitely wasn't an okay thing to say. So, for context, my best friend growing up, his mom was in an interracial relationship uh, with this guy, um, 
who was black. And I don't know if they were married or not. Um, it didn't really matter at the time. I just saw them as his parents. Um, and I, I think when I said that, I, <laughs> I didn't really understand that it was wrong to say that. Um, what I actually probably meant to say was that I appreciated my friend's dad. Um, I don't know. I, luckily, um, even though my parents would sometimes have some pretty troublesome things to say about um, other people of color, um, I remember they would watch, um, they'd only watch one news channel, and it was really, uh, it was really rough. <laughs> uh, a lot of, uh, fear-mongering and that sort of thing, but, um, yeah, and, and they would, they would say their own things and have their own things to say, um, but I, I wasn't really a part of that. I, I think I... It, it just, it never grew on to me, the racism. It, it didn't. Now, that isn't to say that I would sometimes have some weird things to say. Um, my, my thing was jokes. Um, in the early 2000s, humor was, was very different. Um, I also had uh, older examples of racist humor, like from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, from TV that we would watch together as a family. And those, those things were, were funny to me. Those things were normalized in, in my life at that point. And um, to me, looking across the street that day and overhearing what his dad was saying was making me laugh. Was, he was funny to me. And that's why I said that. And I think my friend picked up on that and said, no, you shouldn't say that. So it was a little mini learning experience for me. Like, oh, maybe that's not okay to see, see a person as a, a joke or just for their humor. I don't know. I don't know. It is very hard when... <sighs> When you, when you don't have a lot of guidance in those areas. But thankfully, when I got older, I started looking up things on the internet. And actually, I have Tumblr to thank for uh, kind, of, kind of saving me from really becoming uh, anything worse than what I already was. I just had... I'd, Every now and then I, I had some problematic things to say or maybe some some racist humor. But I, I never, I don't think I really meant it in a hateful way. But it was. It was hate. Those things were hateful. So, yeah, I just, I got on the internet. I, I got on Tumblr. I made myself a little meme account on there and I, I kept seeing all the posts pop up about um, I don't know I, I just I learned a lot from that website and I know it sounds funny 
it being Tumblr, but really, it, it did teach me a lot, and I don't know, it's, it's not important. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a much uh, a different person now, and um, I, don't, I don't think those same things are funny anymore. I've grown out of that sense of humor. Um, actually, racist humor to me is kind of dull. It's, it's really, like, overdone. I mean, it's been a thing for me. Like I said, the examples have been there throughout the decades. The 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, when I grew up. Um, those things have been around and been overplayed for so long that I think, um, just having all of those examples of that, it, it kind of like, I got my laughs out about it and then I grew tired of it, you know? I, it's just not funny anymore. It's overdone and stupid. <laughs> There's other things to joke about now. I'm so sorry it took me almost 10 minutes to explain that little story to you. Uh, it's it's just, there's a lot of context and um, there's a lot of complexity to that story. I, I don't want to just tell it one way. I, I got to explain all of the little details in it. So, yeah. Okay, our random number generator chose page 80 this time. Um, our first result is Electrolyte by Rude and Not Ginger, and this is a Mass Effect fanfiction. After his clone almost kills him and steals the Normandy, Ian Shepard needs to blow off steam with his girlfriend and his boyfriend. Tally has ideas and takes charge. The result? A blindfolded Caden, among other things. What do we got in the tags here? Um, blackmail character. Okay, that's it. Harry Potter rewritten The Philosopher's Stone by Star Maiden. Obviously, a Harry Potter fanfiction. Uh, Harry Potter, but not as you remember. For as long as he can remember, Harry Potter has lived in a cupboard under the stairs at number four Privet Drive. As his 11th birthday approaches, someone seems very determined to send him a letter, and his Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon seem just as determined to make sure he never reads it. But what could a letter say that's so important, and why can Harry do things that no one else can? This is fueled completely by my hatred on JK Rowling. In the tags, we got, do, 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 what do we got here? What do we got? Indian James Potter, Black Hermione Granger. Okay. Uh, and Indian Harry Potter. Hard Feelings by Call Me Autumn, also Harry Potter fan fiction. They've done this enough times to guess the skip in the other's heart, but the park that comes next, that can only come once. I think they meant part. Um, we have Black Hermione Granger. That's it. 
Hedonistic Monsters by Wicked Wayward Warrior. This is a supernatural fan fiction. Dean and you go out for a night of dancing and things get hot and heavy in the backseat of the Impala. We have uh, black characters in the tags. That's it. You Keep Me Waiting by Probs, your math teacher. Uh, another Harry Potter fic. Quote, will you please leave me alone? Desperation, there is, there it was. All she wanted to hear from the man that has been haunting her for the past year. She couldn't say she was innocent either for what he was doing to her. She was doing the same. No, don't you understand? You're here stuck with me the same way mudblood is stuck on me. The wizarding world was starting to get back into its usual rhythm, but once the dark wizard starts murdering innocent muggles with the claim to finish what the dark lord had started, Draco and Hermione are forced to work together to figure out the riddle to stop the murderer before it's too late. But... With unspoken history and feelings between the two, working together might be the final thing that tears them and the wiz wizarding world apart for good. In the tags here, we have uh, Black Hermione Granger. That's it. Okay. Every Time a Bell Rings by Bunny Relic, another Harry Potter fic, Tracy Davis has been hiding out in America for 10 years, and no one but Draco Malfoy knows why. Harry and Ginny are on the rocks after years of unhappy marriage. Hermione Granger is back in Britain after years of living abroad, and she's harboring secrets of her own. AU post-Hogwarts, EWE, next generation included, mature rating due to adult situations, mild violence, language, non-con, wow. It's complete as well. Now, in our tags, we have... What do we got here? Do, do, do. Black characters. Uh, that's it. Okay. The New Marauders and the Chamber of Secrets by Moondust Yuki Soul or Silkstream246. Two weeks into the summer, and Rose has noticed that Harry's letters from his friends haven't come as regularly as everyone else. Another thing that worries the adults is that Lucius has found out about Narcissus and Draco's visits to Grimald Place, as well as Narcissus filing for divorce. Draco is staying at Grimald Place, until this is all sorted out. There is also another house elf's magic aura around the place. Oh my, we have so many tags. I'm going to try to... Let's see. i got to look through these to see if there's anything important. Okay, so we just have um, Black Hermione Granger and Iranian Harry Potter. Uh, the next one is You Can Run by Teak Turn. This is a John Wick uh, fan fiction. You're feeling better. John sighs and turns the page. Olympia shrugs and her freshly shaved blank brushes against his front. You're the only one who thought I was sick. 
He shot her a look and a lot of people had seen her break down. It was probably known the world over about her breakdown at this point. She hadn't even been subtle about it. Still, Olympia didn't care about civilians seeing her break. They didn't matter. There was only one opinion that mattered to her beyond her own. If you're feeling well, I should head back. Olympia snatched the book out of his hands and threw it across the room. Why did you even come? Okay, um, in the tags here, we have original female characters of color. Um, anything else? Black characters, that's it. Okay, next, as if a beating heart by old Shrewsbury Ian. This is a timeless 2016 um, fan fiction. Set six months or so after the finale of season two, a soldier, a tech geek, and a historian go on their final necessary mission. Lucy imagines possible futures. She imagines a bed. She imagines a bed carved from olive wood or from oak, a bed built into the structure of her life, of their life. A bed like the one Odysseus described to Penelope when at least, when at last he returned from his wanderings, when at last she was released from her vigilance. In the tags, we have black characters. That's it. Okay. Flaws and All by Crazy Kick. This is a Black Panther, Marvel Universe, X-Men... Fanfic, love is not about how long I can wait for someone, it is how well I understand why I am waiting. In the tags, we have Black Reader, uh, Hate Crimes, do, do, do. that's it, okay. Die Missives by Ms. Rograz, or Eggplant Red. Uh, this is a Dragon Age Inquisition uh, video game fanfiction. This will serve as the depository for all the randomness my mind comes up with for my Inquisitors. Drabble, short fic, prompts, etc. Smut possibly later. Tags slash categories will be updated accordingly. Okay, and that one just has the black characters tag. Next, uh, Scorpius Malfoy and the Unknown Journey by Thurail Thurain Thurain. This is a Harry Potter fanfiction. Nineteen years after the Second Wizarding War, young Scorpius Malfoy is about to embark on his own journey at Hogwarts. Though the battles of his parents are long past, Hogwarts is never very quiet for long. And Scorpius may find that life at Hogwarts isn't as simple as he expects. Something is lurking in its depths. And like it or not, Scorpius and his friends may soon find out just what. On a temporary break, I will return to weekly updates summer-fall of 2017. Okay, this has a lot of tags in it, so I'm going to write these down and come right back to you. Wow, this one has quite a bit of diversity in it. In the tags alone, we have Black Harry Potter, Latino character, Black characters, Asian characters, 
Indian characters, disabled character of color, lesbian character of color, LGBTQ female character of color, interracial relationship, female character of color, Muslim character, Jewish character, Chinese character, Korean character, and Polish character. Um, all right. The next one is The Revolutionary by At Least I Didn't Fake It. This is another Harry Potter fan fiction. Nobody could have guessed just by looking at her on platform nine and three quarters with trepidation written in her eyes ahead of her first year that Rivati Kamer would be one of the biggest troublemakers Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry had ever seen. She seemed like the quiet, studious sort, a shoe-in for Ravenclaw, but on her very first train ride to Hogwarts, Rivati befriended one Hermione Granger, and the rest, of course, was history. Disclaimer, I don't own Harry Potter. Others note, yes, this is your typical secret daughter of Sirius Black cliche fanfiction because brown girls deserve cliches too. Same universe as my Marauder's Era story, The Diplomat, also unfinished. Does not matter if you read in order, both are being updated currently. Okay, um, in the tags we have... Um, do, do, do. Indian James Potter, Indian Harry Potter, Asian Neville Longbottom, Indian Potter Family, Indian Character, Black Hermione Granger. Uh, da, da, da. That's it. Okay. Treasure by Captain Af- Afro Elf. Sorry. Um, Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Captain America fanfic here. Steve didn't, didn't expect to meet her while taking a walk through Brooklyn, but he'll soon be very glad that he did. We have black characters, interracial relationship, that's it. L-O-V-E by Black Sorry, Bad Luck Vixen 13 or Altering Views. This is a Harry Potter fic. She was cleaning and he was pretty sure that whatever had set her off was going to piss him off. They still had condoms, didn't they? Uh, we have Black, Hermione Granger, and that's it. Okay. Be Different by Lady Brooke, Harry Potter fanfiction. Hermione thought the wizarding world would be different. Uh, discussion of racism in the tags and Black Hermione Granger, also in the tags. Closer Than Ever by Love Fandoms 828. This is a Grand Theft Auto V fanfic. Franklin started comforting Lamar and they get closer than ever before. Okay, and it just has black characters in the tags. Hermione Granger's Family Tree by Kat K. Harry Potter fic again for a homework assignment at Newt level. Hermione has to describe her family tree and her ethnic background as precisely as possible. Um, what we have here in the tags is Hermione Granger, black or white. Hermione Granger's ethnicity, um, half black Hermione, character of color, 
Um, that's it. Okay. For the Mission by Sir Connie. This is a Mass Effect fanfiction. Cerebus operative Miranda Lawson always predicted that the second Commander Shepard opened her eyes for the first time in two years. Everything would go straight to hell. Um, we have just black characters and a female character of color in the text. And our last one, Beauty and the Beast, King Voldemort by Mast Nightingale. This is a Beauty and the Beast uh, 2017 and a Harry Potter crossover fanfiction. Once upon a time, there lived a powerful king. He ruled his kingdom in ruthlessness and magic. A knight rose up against him, and one day a great battle was fought. The warrior knight stood against the king in one last battle. Their powers seemed to match in one blinding moment, and in that moment the king disappeared. But the king used a great magic to forego death. Little did he know, fate had other plans. In the tags... We have Black Hermione Granger. That's it. Okay, we're going to pick a random number, and I'll get right back to you. Okay, our very first result of the episode is number 12, Scorpius Malfoy and the Unknown Journey by Thrain Thrain. This is a general audience's rating, F slash M, um... F slash F and M slash M. Uh, it's a Harry Potter fic. And this one, I believe, yes, this is the same one where I read off all of those tags. Uh, black Harry Potter, um, lesbian character of color, Indian characters, black characters, um, all of, all of that stuff. So, uh, author's notes, updates weekly, tags added as the story goes. Hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 1, Letters from Everyone. The flutter of owls seemed never-ending that week. There were letters from their parents. Oh, look what she's written, Astoria scoffed. Tossing a letter from her mother to Draco. Passive-aggressive rubbish, the whole thing. Packages from friends. Ah, Greg sent me his old bat, Draco laughed. In case Scorpius needs to fend off his mother's blood bludgers, he says. Astoria rolled her eyes. Plies of sweet, going to rot out his teeth before they even come in. And notes... Of congratulations and well wishes from former colleagues, business partners, admirers, and even the Minister of Magic. Don't put that next to my sister's letter, Astoria protested, when Jericho tried to set the note from the minister on the nightstand. Put it in the pile with all the others. Another owl swooped in. Here, I've got it. Draco reached out to take the note, but the owl dodged him and landed beside Astoria who smiled at the familiar handwriting on the envelope. Astoria, Greengrass, and baby, probably in bed, Malfoy Manor, Wiltshire, England. Who's it from? He asked. He said, tossing the minister's note aside. 
Astoria ignored him as she opened the envelope. Inside was a picture of a woman sitting in bed beside her toddler son and holding an infant. The woman and toddler smiled and waved up from the photo. Astoria flipped the photo over. James, two, and Alberius, sorry, Albus Severus, six weeks, and a quick note from Ginny. Looks like the Potters just had a kid, too, Astoria said casually. Draco stiffened. Another, Draco said, trying but failing to sound nonchalant. Though Draco had accepted that his wife and Ginny Weasley had gotten on with each other during their years playing for the Harpies and even and had even found himself cheering when Weasley would score in matches. He much preferred a life with no mention of Potters or Weasleys at all. Relax, dear. It's a photo, not a play date. And anyway, they've named him Albus Severus. Albus Severus Potter? Draco laughed. Might as well put a lightning bolt-shaped scar on the boy's forehead. The amount of stares, which is why he'll will raise Scorpius not to pay any mind whether someone's got a famous father. And anyway, you've missed my point. They've named the boy after Snape. Wonder whose idea that was. Shall I invite them over for tea so you can ask? Astoria teased. Draco was about to say just how uninvited the Potters were in his house when he caught his wife's amused expression inside. A moment later, a smirk crept across his face. Here, give me the photo. I'll put it beside your sister's letter. Astoria rolled her eyes and tossed the photo to her husband. As he sat as he set the photos down on the nightstand, his eyes caught the message scrawled on the back. See you at King's Cross. Um, there's a ton of kudos on this, but no comments. Okay, so if you were interested in that, it has 18 chapters. I believe it's not finished. The last update was in 2016. Um, so yeah, that's Scorpius Malfoy and the Unknown Journey by Thrain Thrain. So, we landed on number 18, which happens to be Hermione Granger's Family Tree by Kat K. This is a general audience's rating, um, and obviously a Harry Potter fic. So, I was just looking through this. Um, I'm, I'm a little confused. So, the author's notes say, Part 2.2 of Hermione's homework contains a lot of math. Skip that part if you're allergic. So, what they're saying is, the first half of this fic is literally what Hermione's homework would say on the actual piece of paper, on the actual page. Like it has her name, her date, and her homework assignment on it. I'm a little weirded out. Um, it has, like she said, there's a lot of math here. Um, there's a lot of calculations being made, a lot of percentages. Um, my, there, there's just a lot. There's a lot here. And she also says, um, in the author's note, she says, And if you don't like the font patterned after the books or Snape's red, 
click on the Hide Creators Style button at the top of the page. Now, Snape's red. There is red font if I scroll down. The red font is to signify Snape, which is her teacher, um, grading the homework, his, his notes in there. Um, directly after that, we have Hermione flopped down in one of the stuffed chairs by the common room fire, seething. All the work I put into this and all the needed material is in there. And then he goes on about superfluous material and deducts a point because some of it isn't in there twice. Ugh, just who does he think he is? It's okay, Hermione. It's done and over with, grumbled Ron. There's no need to go over it again. And it was only half point. Just be glad it wasn't one or even more points. And if all that stuff was superfluous, there was no need to put it in there. I mean, please, Hermione, your great-grandmother's eye color? It wasn't superfluous. I explained that all that might point to further interesting details about my background. He simply ignored that, said Hermione, a thunderous expression on her face. Yeah, well, maybe you should have simply ignored that stuff, too, smirked Ron. Hermione angrily opened her mouth, but Harry cut in. I overheard Malfoy gloating. He said he put in lots of stuff that might be of further interest that he'd freely invented, and he said Snape gave him extra points for it. Figures, replied Ron casually. That's Snape for you. We've known him for five years now. What else would you expect? Hermione sighed. I guess I was a bit too relaxed in the wording of the family history. Ron sneered again, but before he could say something to further enrage Hermione, Harry quickly cut him off. That doesn't sound like you, you know, too relaxed in your wording. It was the family thing, said Hermione, embarrassed. I didn't know all this stuff, just the most basic things that my mom is from the Lore Valley, and that both my grandmothers grew up in Africa. But all these details about Assace and Wales and Australia and Indo-Chinese and the Berber ancestors and where exactly my grandmothers came from, I didn't know any of this till my parents and grandparents owed me all that information now. It's so fascinating. So I got a bit carried away when I wrote about that. Which knowing you will never happen again, interrupted Ron. Speaking of which, what's up next for homework? Some essay for charms, said Harry, and reached over his bag to look, but Hermione was quicker. Also a background topic and not directly subject related. I like a healthy breeze round my privates, thank you. Explain why tight clo clothing lowers the fertility of wizards and why it interferes with the magic of both wizards and witches and describe the magical, biological, and cultural aspects of these phenomena due on Monday. Ron groaned and covered his face with his hands. Newt level is a horror. I should have left directly after my owls and never returned. And on what then? Hermione asked fondly. Stop grousing. You, we should go to the library and get started now. Game of chess? Ron asked Harry. Game of chess, Harry answered. Now, after this, we have a lot of author's notes um, just, just reading the first one here, there's a, there's one, two, three, four, five, five points 
here, but the first one is, this started out by me idly thinking of Hermione's family history after only now coming across that Hermione black or white stormlet that blew through the internet some time ago, when somehow this family history turned into a piece of homework done by Hermione. So that kind of explains it a little bit more. We have a lot of kudos on this and only one comment. Champion Saiyan says, Sa, I have no idea why this made me as happy as it did, but for some reason the emotion that this fic exudes comes to the line of soft and wholesome if one should want to get technical. Snape is his usual passive-aggressive self, and Hermione can't help being disappointed in the end result. But that's not the main point. The main point was that this was fucking interesting and actually really considerate to the Granger history that nobody else seems mad was entirely non-existent in canon. Bravo, truly. Okay. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that homework fanfiction. Next, we have number 19, which happens to be For the Mission by Sir Connie. This is a Mass Effect fanfiction. Uh, it's a mature rating and F slash F. Author's notes, first fic on AO3 ever, and it's femslash. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Been sitting on this one for some time, and I've finally acquired the time and motivation to get it started. Starting short to ease any potential readers into it, hope it's enjoyable, and I apologize for any typos. Everything will be in Miranda's point of view in third-person clothes. Okay, chapter one. Commander Shepard has been recovered. Miranda knew when they wheeled that charred, broken body into the operating room that this assignment was going to take everything she had. She doesn't know why she expected, but it certainly, sorry, what she expected, but it certainly wasn't this big slab of unmoving meat barely managing not to rot. Doesn't matter. She's been given an objective and the, ne the resources necessary She's not going to fail, even if Wilson is doing his damnedest to make it so. If he must be present during the project, Miranda really wishes he'd just stand in the corner and pretend he's a wall. Wouldn't be a stretch considering he's about as medically useful as one. If she was to correct that man's numbers one more time, Shepard won't be the only lifeless corpse in the room. Real quick, I forgot... In the tags, um, does this have anything? Okay, this is a female character of color that we have here. Okay. Anyway, despite Wilson's uselessness, the Lazarus Project is maintaining good progress. Miranda wants to say she's upset that she spent two years of her life reviving the same woman who's destroyed some of Cerebus's best labs, but she's actually enjoyed the challenge. There's a new obstacle almost every day, and she's most satisfied when the commander would stay stable for over 48 hours. Then she flatlines and it's back to the drawing board, and Miranda went back to the drawing board a lot. Sometimes the cybernetic implants would reject the host, or the body's blood flow would be unsteady, or it turns out Wilson used a sedative that Shepard is allergic to, and they have to scramble to keep her heart beating. There was always something new to learn and, or fix, like the fact that Shepard's eyes, now finally restored, 
though not quite functional yet, were donated and given to her in an operation when she was 11. Her biotic amp, an L3 implant, was completely fried and had to be removed. Before being carefully replaced with an L5X, Miranda doubts that the elusive man will thank her if she leaves his favorite war hero without all of her skills intact. Miranda doesn't remember the last time she slept for more than three hours. Must be two years now. She works all day and only rests when her body absolutely needs to, which is much much less often than people might think. Thanks to her genetic tailoring, even when she does take a break, her time is taken up by looking into Commander Shepard every, in every capacity, service records, medical records, even clips of interviews on the ex- extranet. Those in particular are quite extensive. The woman was on practically every talk show in existence after the Skylian Blitz. Miranda remembers catching other Cerebus soldiers watching them on their breaks. She hadn't given them much thought until now. As she watches vid after vid in her darkened office, eyelids heavy but not feeling up to sleep just yet. Now, Commander, the host says from her seat across Shepard, her blue skin shimmering under the studio lights, this might not be the first time someone's asked you this, but the public absolutely needs to know. Are you seeing anyone? Shepard grins, looking prim and, st- and striking, absolutely nothing like the somewhat human resembling cadaver Miranda had left on the ap- operating table only an hour ago. Perfect white teeth flash brightly against dark brown skin as she leans forward, blue eyes glittering charmingly when she looks up at the host from underneath long eyelashes. That depends. Are you single? Miranda pulls her earphones out to escape the audience's shrieking, something she's been doing a lot lately, seeing as no matter how, no matter what show she's on, Shepard can't seem to resist riling the public up. She watches the Asari host giggle mutely while the commander turns her gaze to the studio audience, giving them a wink that only makes the screaming worse, threatening to ruin her earphones with the sheer volume. That is probably the twelfth interview Miranda has watched in the past three days, not counting the countless number she's already seen since the Lazarus Project began. She's wanted to know more about the woman she's putting all her time and effort to revive. The woman, the elusive man, spent billions of credits on the technology to make it so. After viewing all these talk show segments and watching her smile and flirt and charm her way through all of them, Miranda is absolutely sure of one thing. Commander Shepard is an idiot. Author's notes. That's the start. Hope it's not too terribly disappointing. Thanks for reading. There's a wall of kudos and nine comments. Elsa Mo 31 says, Awesome. I can t- already tell this is going to be great. Can't wait to see what you've got in store. Author responds, Thank you. The dandies of lion the dandiest of lions says man this is so good got directed here from a fan art by you your characterization is awesome you write miri so well also oh my fucking god flirtatious shep this will be fun sorry i don't normally write so many exclamation marks snoo snoo 95 says 
So I've been dying for more Miranda slash Femshep fix, and miraculously, I found this one, loving it so far. It's great to see a shepherd of color as well. Can't wait to see where you take this. Author responds, oh shit, thank you. I'm really glad you're enjoying it. There's definitely a disappointing lack of Femshep slash Miranda, but I'll do my best to fill in the gap. Thanks again. Six Perfection says, Well, that was neat. The only quibble I have is that usually stories are written in the past tense. Written in the present tense, it comes is comes off a bit weird. But I love the premise and Miranda's commentary. My femship was a black woman with blonde hair, so I, I was really thrilled when you made her dark-skinned. I can just imagine the Shep from my playthroughs Wonderful first chapter. Look forward to see what else you have in store. Author responds, first of all, hi. Thanks so much for commenting. Secondly, haha, true. But a lot of the fix, the best fix I've ever written were in present tense, and it just works better for me. It makes everything seem more immediate. I-M-O. And it almost feels like watching live TV because it's all happening right now, you know? At least that's how I see it. Black Sheps all day. Thanks for reading and for your other comment. I hope I don't disappoint. Carrots and Dragons says, I've been reading this, but I wanted to go back and review every chapter. Foremost, the look into Miranda's life and how the whole reviving Shep thing went for her is very interesting. And it's something I find myself growing more and more interested in by the day. To spend so much time reviving your enemy, pouring so much time and enemy into her only to come to the conclusion that she's an idiot is such a hilarious twist. I feel bad for poor Miranda, and I especially like this part of the first paragraph. She doesn't know what she expected, but it certainly wasn't this big slab of unmoving meat barely managing not to. The imagery is strong here. Poor Shepherd was a real project. And last we have meat is a delicacy says, yeah, okay, sure, Miranda. Even watching Shepard's old interviews, she finds Shepard to be charming, even if she's a charming idiot. All right. Let's see what our next one is. So number four happened to be nothing but smut. So now we turn to number seven, which happens to be The New Marauders and the Chamber of Secrets by Mundus Yiki Soul or Silkstream246. This is a Harry Potter um, fan fiction. It is a teen and up rating F slash F, F slash M, and M slash M. All right. Chapter one. Oh, wait. Um, in the tags, let me, let me just check out these tags and see if there's anything important pertaining to our story here. Okay. Uh, important for the story. We have Black Hermione Granger and Iranian Harry Potter. Here we go. Rose was sitting in the living room of Grimald Place, talking to her familiar, when she felt that tickle of an unknown house elf. It had happened periodically throughout the two weeks of summer that the two students have experience already. Rose mumbled, then called for Creature. Yes, Miss... Mistress Rose, the house elf asked, with a pan and a spatula in his hands. Rose asked him, 
Do you know if there are any other house elves around? Creature shook his head. Yes, making his ears flop a bit. There is Mistress. I believe he is from the Malfoy house. Thank you, Creature. Rose told him and got up from the couch and wrote a letter to Draco. While she was doing that, she heard Sirius and Remus talking in the hall with Newt and Credence. I just got a letter from Narcissus. Lucius had found out about their visits here and hit her in front of Draco. This has happened before, apparently, because she's filing for divorce and wants us to see if we can house Draco while the divorce is happening, Sirius told them. Remus replied, it must be for the best. When is he coming over? In a little while, Sirius responded. Rose smiled and put away her parchment, ink and quills as she hurried up to Harry's room. The slightly older child was training Norbet since the Norwegian Ridgeback formed a familiar bond with the boy when it hatched last year. Hagrid had also let Fluffy stay with the group during the full moons since Rose had gotten used to curling up to the Cerberus while to yes, to the Cerberus while she transformed at school. The two got along fairly well too. As Rose reached the door to Harry's room, Loki slid under the door and soon after Harry had opened it. He was only slightly taller than Rose and she smiled. Harry, Draco is coming over. Also, guess what I found out? She said as she sat down on the other's bed. Harry asked, Is it about the strange tingling sensations we both have been getting? Apparently it's a house elf from Malfoy Manor. Pretty sure they're trying to stop your letters, she said, as he, as she handed him a pile of letters from their friends. Harry smiled at the Slytherin hair and said, You're a lifesaver, Rose. Rose blushed and said, Oh, hush you. I'm just trying to help out. Plus, Urelis Gabini wants to do an annual class for us Vilas. She pouted but said nothing else as she and Harry played a round of wizard's chess. Little under an hour after, sorry, little under an hour later, there was a knock at the door. Harry and Rose rushed down the stairs, followed by Norbit and Loki's. Draco was there with his owl, Cleo, on his shoulder and his school trunk. Harry hugged his best friend while Rose just smiled at the two. Rose, Draco said. Draco. The three kids smiled as they caught up. The three animals hooted, hissed, and chittered together at the same time. There's a little bit of kudos on this and two comments. Burn Britain says, Okay, so I have a question. Are you doing the typo thing on purpose? Does your keyboard hate you? Are you on a time limit? Is it a joke? Is English just evil? Do you have dyslexia? Because I honestly can't fathom how you are go able to spell a word correctly one time but then get it wrong the next. Honestly, seriously though, do not get offended or anything because just being able to actually write something and post it, never mind, a whole series is com commendable and we really need more people of color in the Harry Potter fandom, but please just spell check every now and then. It doesn't have to be completely perfect, but even in the summary, you have a name that is spelled incorrectly the first time, but correctly the second. Also, Grimald and regularly 
and at apostrophes, but hey, baby steps. Anyway, this is just a thought and purely constructive. You'll definitely improve if that's a goal, but seriously spell check because it hurts. Author responds, you know I do try, I honestly do, but sometimes even with a spell checker I can't get it right, and I have never been able to be perfect at, smel at spelling, so it hurt when people say things like you did. Then say don't get offended because yes, I am offended. I get shit like this from my family, and I, I need total strangers with no idea how hard it is to spell period to get me the same crap. I understand most people are trying to help, but at least some actually give me the correct spelling and not anything else or helpful a little bit. So fuck off, alright? Wow, okay. And this wasn't even very long to read and I got through it kind of fine, so I don't know what that person that person's deal was. Anyway, um, let's go to our last one here. Alright, our last one is number 20, which is Beauty and the Beast, King Voldemort, by Mast Nightingale. This is not rated F slash M, and it is a Beauty and the Beast and Harry Potter crossover. Author's Notes, inspired by Beauty and Lord Voldemort by Pistol Shrimp which is another fanfic. Disclaimer, I do not own that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. I'm going to read two chapters of this because the very first one is short. It's a prologue. And then I already looked at the next chapter and that isn't even much longer than this one. So here we go. Once upon a time, there lived a powerful king. He ruled his kingdom in ruthlessness and magic. One day, one of his knights, whose soul was lit from within with a brilliant flame, stood up against one of his cruel acts. Instead of seeing the courage and honor in the young knight's stand, the cruel king conspired to dispose of him. Warned by one of the king's advisors, who wished for one day without torment, the knight vanished. The king was not satisfied by this, however, and instead he forced his power more on his people, trying to control each one from being able to use their own light within, unless for one of his own plans. Several years of hardship passed, until one day the knight appeared again. The knight had raised an army, an army of those who would no longer tolerate the evil within their lands. The war that ensued cost many of their lives, and at the end only few stood on either side. The rest were hidden away. The warrior knight stood against the king in, in one last battle. Their powers seemed to match in one blinding moment, and in that moment the king disappeared. The people cheered and left the, the castle's grounds, once stepping into their homes forgetting about the hard-won battle and the days of hardship. What they didn't know was that the king had installed a failsafe in case he was ever struck down in battle. What the king forgot was that magic always comes with a price, and this time fate had other plans. Um, a little bit of kudos on this and a few comments. Infallible Angel says, Ooh, exciting. I love Beauty and the Beast. 
AUs and I'm excited to see what happens next. And your prose is really pretty. Author responds, thank you. So happy you enjoyed it. Dark MK says, oh, I love that trailer. I'm so excited to see that someone has written something for it. Yay. Author responds, thank you. All right. Next chapter, A Wedding and a Seer. The town had been the, sorry, the town had been the same since she, before she could remember. The same winding cobbled streets, the stores with their banners and colorful wooden signs waving at each passerby. The cheery atmosphere seemed to infect everyone, but her, and for that reason she was odd. Beneath the bright colors, the smiles and the quick hellos that came from within Flourish and Bots, or her friends Weasley's Joke and Prank Shop, there was something hidden and something forgotten. Beneath the layers of silks and brocade, her legs would tremble slightly with an anxious feeling that she stood before their masses beside her adoptive brother, as he addressed them in a loud, proud voice. He was the mayor of the town, respected by all and lusted after by many. He had a tall frame, dark hair that never seemed to stay in one place, and a mysterious scar on his forehead that only seemed to show on a particularly blustery day, like lightning piercing the sky beneath waves of darkened clouds. He, he had fought many battles for the village. He protected those poor from the rich who sought to abuse their power while at the same time creating allies with the age-old families. Hermione gazed out at the crowd, wishing she was anywhere beside, besides standing before them, where her brother seemed to thrive beneath the eyes of others, despite his many otherwise. Hermione preferred the quiet and peace of the forest behind the village. The forest was avoided by all villagers, for there were, were many a beast and magical species that preferred their own privacy. However, when Hermione Bell stood through the forest, she was received with the quiet acceptance that no other caster or villager had ever had. She stepped daintily around the habitats, habitats, making sure not to crush any important plants underfoot. Her thoughts were interrupted by a painful jab in her ribcage. Yes, Ronald? His sneer appeared briefly before turning into a brilliant smile as a couple of the town's familiar, sorry, fair maidens joined the crowd in the square. Thank you all for coming this day. Today we celebrate the wickedness that was vanished not so long ago. Today we feast in peace and laugh for the good days are upon us. The crowd cheered around them, and Hermione's brother raised a hand with a goblet of gold within his grasp. Today we cheer and we dance for a new year of healthy harvests, flowing butterbeer, and flushing new brides. Harold's emerald eyes gazed lovingly at the red-headed bride at his side. White roses woven in crimson locks and vibrant, glittering eyes peered back. Today they had been wed, and the whole town was here to celebrate. Let there be many more days like this. Moat shall it be, the crowd, crowd cried. Let the dancing begin. Hermione found herself being dragged to the center of the courtyard as the fiddles began to play a lively jig. Ronald, I'm sure there are plenty of pretty ladies vying for your hand. None like you. If it weren't for the smirk that seemed permanently pressed upon the redhead's face, perhaps Hermione would have thought him handsome. However, it was his self-assuredness that turned her away. In his eyes, his sister was meant for Harry and Hermione, 
was meant for him. Sorry? My brain didn't comprehend that. Let me read it again. However, it was his self-assuredness that turned her away. In his eyes, colon, his sister was meant for Harry and Hermione, and Hermione was meant for him. Okay, moving on. She shook her head. I've been feeling a bit shaky today. Go have fun. His hand gripped her arm painfully, his light blue eyes staring into hers, seeking out her thoughts. Sir Ronald, won't you join me in a dance? Never had Hermione ever been more grateful to hear the famed flirt Lavender's voice. She never knew she was... Sorry, she knew she was younger... Sorry, she knew when she was younger. She would have been jealous, but now she was grateful as the blonde drew the night away, causing him to release the bruising hold on her arm. It was easy then to slip free from the crowds, her brother Harold always able to capture center light easier, along with his best friend and Knight's red hair, she could have easily been forgotten. Beyond the lamplight, Hermione could just make out a flash of silver. A smile lit her plump dark lips as she followed it. The flash of silver wove through the streets of Hogsmeade until it was making its way into the woods. Hermione soon found herself on the familiar path and she smiled as the silver took shape of an ethereal hair jumping through the weaving secret pathways of the Forbidden Forest. It wasn't long until she was upon the small hovel. It blended into the foliage well. One would only know it was there if they had been shown its entrance. As soon as her dark curls ducked through the opening, she was greeted this time by an airy voice. One path has ended and another will begin. Question is, are you willing to take yours? Greetings, Luna. The woman looked timeless. No age could be applied to her. She was a pale, as pale as the moon on a clear night, with long silvery ivory hair and a lithe but petite frame. Her eyes, though, saw further than any others could see. Luna tilted her head to the side. You will need to leave soon for your path or you'll be caught in a trap. Hermione, who had sat upon the, the moss carpet at Luna's feet, gazed into her sky-blue eyes with apprehension. Surely Ronald is not that foolish. The girl's eyes narrowed slightly. Foolish is as foolish does. Luna sat forward and pulled on one of Hermione's ebony curls. It will seem at first as if you have just sprung from one cage to only be locked into another. Hermione stood preparing to leave, but heard the seer's final words. But things are not always as they seem. There's no comments on this chapter and just a few kudos. Alright, that's our second part to our Black History Month celebration. Now, I do want to say as a disclaimer each time, these are not going to be the most groundbreaking, um, irreverent stories that you've ever heard of Black experiences. No, these are fan fictions. These are things that people come up with and they just write them. Um, not in so much as to change the world, 
but maybe just to have a little fun. So I hope you have a little fun. And yeah, that's it.